moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people. Hi, this is Asa Nilsson, and you're listening to More Moss to the People, where each week we're going to be talking about slowing down, even hurling ourselves off of the Ferris wheel of the production-first mentality and choosing to live a courageous life based on our own needs first and daring to be different in a world where sameness is encouraged more highly than living a life of authenticity. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to More Moss to the People. I am Asa and I am your host. Today I have another guest from Toronto, Canada, week two with my Toronto Ike. <laughs> Today I have Tammy Falls with me and she has a company called Inner Grief Coaching and she is a death coach, a death doula, a grief coach. And I've already had her on the podcast one time. She is my first guest that I have had back for a second visit. So welcome back, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining me again. How are you? Oh my gosh, thank you. Absolutely honored to be back. I love that we're piggybacking on Toronto. Yes. (laughs) Is Uh, that what you would call it? (laughs) Sure. You know, same thing I I talk about. Oh, my friend in Sweden. (laughs) Ooh, Sweden. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so thanks so much for having me back. Thank you. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. If somebody didn't listen to the tenth episode of season one, where Tammy was my guest the first time, um, tell us a little bit about where you're at today. Because I mean, a lot has happened. A lot has shifted since we spoke the last time. Give people an idea who you are, my darling. Oh my gosh. I mean, I won't take up too much time. <laughs> but uh, do in short, yeah, I I started this journey in life coaching about twelve years ago. And as I got talking to people more and more about their fears, you know, everything kind of boiled down to this fear of death. So I got very curious about that. And people are interested and curious, but still felt very, you know, kind of separate from them or they were too scared to talk about it. That's when I went into grief and kind of rebranded myself as a grief coach because all my life, right, I've had, I had cancer as a child. My mom worked in a nursing home. I used to work in home care for seniors. I've always been around that loss and grief, and I've always been very comfortable talking about it. So as I got more into grief coaching and learned this you know, evidence-based proven process called the grief recovery method, oh my gosh, it's just been such an honor to hold that space for people as they liberate themselves from the pain of their past. So that's where I've focused and not surprisingly, death comes back in the picture, even though grief just isn't associated with death. There's over 40 types of loss. Um, 
But as I started attracting more people that maybe had a terminal diagnosis or here in Canada, you can do med medical assistance and dying notice made. Mm -hmm. um, so helping people just process, again, all the grief, you know, that comes with actual physical losses or loss of health or that sort of thing. So, so I've always been in this, yeah, this circle of, of grief, loss and death and uh, loved shining a light on a traditionally dark topic. Yeah, which, you know, I think that's also something that um, attracts me to it. It's not that I'm attracted to dark topics, but, well, kind of am. But you, you said that you have worked in so many different types of careers and put yourself in all these places. Do you think that you grew into having a comfort with talking about death or was that something that was already inside of you and you just happened to put yourself into places because you could talk about it? Probably a little both, you know. Uh, again, looking back, I was six years old when I was diagnosed, so I knew limited, right? I knew I had cancer. I didn't know what it was. I knew it didn't feel good. I knew people on my floor were, you know, dying. I knew I was lucky. Um, so I kind of always had a curiosity and... And if we can talk, you know, about astrological birth charts, but there is a planetary party in my eighth house, which is all, you know, loss, death, like all those things. So it's kind of to say it's a little bit of both. I think it was, you know, growing up in a world of just hospitals and and um, and then marrying that with kind of again celestially or intrinsically, however you want to look at it. That I've just always been, yeah, able to look at it with a different lens, you know, and not seeing it so much as a fearful thing, but how it can teach us. Mm. Well, you know, the last episode we had was titled, We're All Gonna Die One Day. So how do you want to live today? And coming back to today now where my 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 interest, my deep interest in Poland working with Swedish death cleaning and decluttering and helping people with the conversations of, um, you know, as a 56-year-old, what I'm seeing in my family that aging is happening sicknesses are happening now more quickly and the older i get of course uh i wasn't thinking about this stuff before now i am i'm it's very very apparent in my life and in my family that it is time to be having these conversations and the more i'm having these conversations it's it's kind of like a 50 50 where people some people are like you know i, I know i really got to get on that i really got to start doing something other people are like i do not don't talk to me about that. It scares the living shit out of me to talk about it. I'm like, okay. So you, with all of your experience and your background and starting at the age of six, that you have you have been surrounded with this at a very young age and you now have continued on in the same, uh, having this kind of surrounding you, but first with the party planning, which you were event planning, you were doing that kind of stuff and then you rolled into, which we'll get into later. But, uh, you know, learning how you handle conversations and how I had no idea there was 40 different types of grief, for example. Do, can you just like share a couple like because because everything is around death, right? Like, oh, you, you, your animal dies, your parent dies. You know, that's the kind of grief. But can you give us like some other examples of different types of grief? The people don't yeah. think so four different types of loss. So it's like, you know, it'd be like an intangible. So I always give the example of the pandemic, right? Global, we all felt it. And it was the loss of routine, safety, community, trust, freedom. Um, some and then more tangible loss of jobs, finances, loved ones. But it was more of those intangible that people kind of like, why am I so uncomfortable right now? 
And I love it the Harvard Business Review came out with an article that said that discomfort you're feeling, it's grief. Because we had immense loss in an absolutely accelerated short time frame, right? Because we just all of a sudden one day, we, oh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We'll be back to work, you know, and then it's like after months and months and months. So that's kind of the biggest one people can relate to is those intangible losses. Yeah. Anticipatory grief is another form where it's grieving the loss of something that hasn't happened yet. And the example I give here is often you have dementia. So maybe your parent has been diagnosed, they're still here, but you're grieving who you knew or who that person was to you. As well as, you know, there's even other intangibles we talked about um, with my girlfriends around loss of fertility. Right. As we go into as we're in our fifties, you know, as we're we're transitioning to perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, that loss of, of fertility. Or even I had um, a parent tell me yesterday, you know, that I'm just grieving the stages even of my child who is growing and it's yes, things are great. Same with going to university or you move. Yeah. These are really wonderful things, but you're kind of grieving what was. Because grief by definition that I use, which is from the grief recovery institute, is that it is Grief is the change of or ending of a familiar pattern of behavior. So there's conflicting, confusing emotions that come up with that change. Mm. So when you think of it that way, that's when you're like, okay, yeah, I, there's a lot of loss. You know, it could be from a young age where you didn't make the soccer team, you know, through to the marriage that didn't work or the job loss or the actual death of a person or a pet that you love. Mm. And really getting into the impact of or the impact on your heart of that for some losing a dog might be whatever get another dog mm. but for me i give that example when i was a teenager and my dog died because when i was so sick that dog never left my side he knew when you know when i really needed some love so when he passed i was devastated yeah. you know or surface whatever it was a dog i'm like no no even though that was an actual death but just understanding grief is again just it's the normal natural response to any type of loss because we're taught how to get things in life we're not taught what to do when we lose them mm, that is That's so what true yeah gosh that is so true and you know it's like just get through it just you know just buckle down and just keep on pushing you know it's like keep pushing the just get into something else do something else focus on something else um so interesting because when, we, when you and i were talking about uh, having you back on we were talking about the, the potential of doing death differently. How can we look at death or uh, like from a different perspective of it doesn't have to be like doom and gloom? How can we, how can we potentially put ourselves in, a per, in the, the mind frame of, okay, well, this, this is the only 100% thing that actually is going to happen. I mean, there is no denying it. So what can we do to prepare um, differently. And if you would share some of your thoughts around that. Mm -hmm. Well, this is why I love talking about it because there's no definitive answer. No one has died and come back and said, here's exactly what happens and here's what you expect and here's how you prepare for it. So with that, I find a lot of comfort in, in stories, you know, that work that make me feel better about it. So I actually ended up writing a whole course um, called Do Death Differently, where I go through the chakra system and look at, so if we have been told these stories, and again, I'm talking from a North American or Canadian perspective of, um, you know, like the Grim Reaper kind of comes and <laughs> these these horror stories, right? They're so scary and death is so scary. 
um, what if we feminized it? What if it was more uh, here to teach us, again, like how we talked last time about how you're living, but to to soften it, to um, get you to understand death more. Again, knowing that 100% of us are going to die one day. We don't know when. No. And the stories that I take one from the Ojibwe tradition, and I can send you the link for it because it's an oral, so I actually did a recording, okay. uh, where they talk about the land of the living going and then you cross the river to the land of the ancestors. It's also rooted in some Greek, you know, like where you pay the ferryman by putting pennies on the eyes when they take you across the river. Uh, but I find a lot of comfort in this because it shows that there's just a lot of love that goes into that transition. So again, in that in the Ojibwe tradition, it's that the the person is put into a canoe, you know, which is sh- you know shaped kind of like a human body. The ribs of the canoe kind of mirror the bones of the body, and it's the grief of the living that propels that boat halfway across the river, and how the oars are even shaped sort of like teardrops, and it's the it's that mourning that kind of pushes the boat across, and then the land of the ancestors across the river. They're like, woohoo, Tam's coming. Let's get ready. It's gonna be <laughs> you know. And so they kind of meet halfway, and then they pull, you know, the soul over to that side. Mm, how beautiful! And so beautiful because again, I I really find a lot of comfort in these stories. And let's be mm. clear, they are stories because again, no one knows definitively what happened. Or what happens when you die. So instead of the fearful ones, I want to choose something that brings me more peace and comfort in my current day. Because yeah, when the time goes, when you hear all those near-death experience stories too, there's a lot of synergies, a lot of you know um, themes around that of like it's just so peaceful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm gonna choose. It's right. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. It's like this is a choice. I get to choose how I believe um, I'm going. What it's gonna be like when it actually happens. And I, I, I am not personally afraid of death or dying for my own sake. Um, you know, I, I have concerns about other people, but not for my own sake. And so the the idea of, I heard once that somebody said to me, no one ever dies alone. Meaning even if you are in the room alone by yourself, your guides, your ancestors, I believe, I think this is a beautiful thing that your guides and ancestors are actually the ones reaching over their hands to you, kind of like you were talking about the the river where they meet you halfway. And so you, there's always somebody there for you. Now, you also said, it was such a beautiful story. You were talking about um, an Irish, an Irish folklore about what, what were you saying? Do you, can you repeat that for us? Yeah. I don't know what that was. It's like, to a, uh, a death symposium <laughs> pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was such a wonderful gathering. It was about 250 people. And again, I just didn't feel like the weirdo in the room who wanted to talk <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. And they had this speaker from Ireland. And he's uh, from an, I can't remember the exact island, off of the coast of Ireland. Um, but he talked about in their community how they, everyone gathers. It's a small island. So what happens is when someone's dying, there's, you know, the, uh, the loved ones around. But the women, they're, they'll keen. So keening is this this singing that happens when... So he gave the example of once you know the dying process, so kind of the death rattle, like there's mm-hmm. definitive signs of when the process is happening, it's imminent. And so once that you know rattle starts, the one woman, the head keener, will start singing. A familiar phrase, I think it was actually a Bible verse, I can't quite remember, but 
then the woman next to her will start singing and everyone just joins in a chorus. Mm. So that it's almost this siren call that goes out to the community. So you hear the song, you're like, oh, okay, we need to drop everything and come to where the the source of that sound is. Mm. So he was saying that it doesn't matter if you're visiting, <laughs> you know, family, right? You, everyone goes and everyone participates in helping this person transition. So it's almost like a lullaby that they're singing them mm. through. And the, the beauty of that is, A, it's happening in community, and B, you're actually witnessing the process of dying. So I think that's where a lot of fear is. Yeah. is you don't know what happens. Because traditionally, it happens in a hospital, behind a curtain, you know, nursing homes, literally, you know, people die, they're put, you know, out the side. They're just kind of, you know, I'd say, but they're disposed of, but they're just, they're, right? It's just something that's very secret and hushed and behind closed doors. Right. Even Common funerals, right? You don't see what happens. You just see the body when it's when it, if it's being viewed when it's done. You're like, oh, okay, they were here now they're gone, right? Uh, so this all started in, yeah. Just how you see it, so that whenever it happens to someone close to you, um, or even for yourself, you're like, oh, I know, I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Not that every yeah. death is the same by yeah. any stretch, but you've been exposed, as you said, to about 500 of these. You know, if in the general timeline of your life. Yes. Yeah, you've got a lot of experience. And then there isn't as much fear because, like you say, then you know what to expect. Uh, I'm sorry if you're hearing a lot of noise in the background. Uh, I'm not sure if that's picking up or not. But um, so I, I just think that it's such a beautiful thing because of the idea of the people being around with community. You know, like you said, the community. Um, I experienced my father dying and, uh, another friend of the family and I've seen dead people and and I, I it's a I'm not I'm not afraid I don't know why I mean it wasn't it wasn't horrifying it, I mean it was of course tragic because my father died of cancer but uh you know at that point you know that at this point he, he was already gone I mean physically he was there but hardly and so he had already in my mind transitioned and having that the actual experience of that, I think, has helped me to be able to have this conversation like you have been able to see this since you were six years old. Now, you had said to me, and you said earlier today, that there is such a thing now in Canada that um, assisted living, assisted dying, excuse me. And um, I, I wasn't even aware that that was something. I'd, I'd heard of it in Switzerland, and then you said that it was in California and Canada. Is that correct? That this is something that's available to people? Yeah. Yeah. And other places as well. I'm not yeah. familiar lately, but um, yeah, it was here. Was it 20? It's like June 2016, I think, or something. It's been around for a while and obviously ever evolving and ever changing because it really does bump up against a lot of morals and beliefs yeah. for people. Sure. Uh, those that have participated, and I wrote an article on it I called Made with Love because it's mm -hmm. medical and dying. And actually, that's one of my top performing articles I've written huh. is because people are recognizing, okay, well, how if this person has chosen, you know, to end their life this way, there's a lot of conflicting, confusing emotions that come up for their loved ones. So can we love them through this? Because often that's what happens in death is that, I hate to say, but our egos take over. You know, I don't want you to go. I'm not ready for you to go. Mm. And so especially when they're choosing a date, right? Kind of like when you're, and there's a lot of similarities with birth, you know? So those that have, you know, cesareans that are choosing a date for the baby to be born, you know, it's, it's a similar thing. It's like, oh my gosh, you're choosing a date that you're going to leave us? Yeah. 
people want it to be very natural and it is um but yeah so there's a lot of again it's a lot of controversy <laughs> around it but there's also a lot of beauty the the stories that have been written even you know with younger people um and having those living funerals mm. so they know no, i've never heard of that gosh explain that would you please that was fascinating for me yeah actually my first exposure to it was one of my absolute favorite books uh tuesdays with maury so oh, you're right. yeah yes i have but um by mitch album and he has a living funeral to his point he's like i want to hear what people are talking you know saying about me while i'm here and um so it's the same sort of sentiment that and similarly a friend of mine um who had a recurrence of cancer did did a living funeral in a local park here invited you know all the the close friends and loved ones and it was that celebration of life you know so again you craft that however you want it to be but you're able to participate right and mm -hmm. and hear all these things and and say your goodbyes and as hard as it is it, it gives you that that time together because mm -hmm. that's all everyone ever wants you know it yeah. is more time so sure. this actually is in a nice ritual and ceremony mm -hmm. so that your your soul can kind of catch up to what's happening mm -hmm. that is I, I that just my head went what yeah. that's it that's that's something possible like why not why not and you know, from we we talked about nature and the importance. And you used a word I had never used before because you know the more moss, the people. You know, getting out into the nature, going out into the moss, and reconnecting for me to God's spirit, connecting to myself and Mother Nature, that is so important. And and I didn't really realize that. I mean, I I know that I do it, and it makes me feel so so present. And then you mentioned a term called biophilia. Can yeah. you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, brand new to me as well, and I'm fascinated, and it's it basically translates to humans' innate need to connect with other sentient beings, so plants, animals, and nature, right? And how, for me, it's always been about those cycles and the seasons, so just looking at your window, right? It's, it's yeah. wanting to be fall here soon, like yeah, the temperature's starting to drop, you know, so just seeing like that's the death of nature, you know, mm -hmm. the trees are shedding all their leaves, and then winter you know, the, the nurturing and everything that's, it's very busy underground. We can't see it. There's right. a lot going on, but it's a time to be quiet and to be reflective, right? So that spring when the renewal and the heat of summer, the, the, you know, abundance and harvest, you know, and all yeah. the things that happen there. So how can we harness that power of nature, um, to help nurture? So I was saying like, it's like nurturing in nature because we're innately drawn to it. Right. When I did a survey of my, um, subscribers a while ago and it's wild i was like yeah when how have you used nature and people are just like man when shit goes down you're gonna find me by the water yeah you're gonna find me at the mountain you're like they have they absolutely know what they need mm -hmm. to help them ground to nurture themselves to feel like they're a part of something bigger right than whatever's happening in your mm -hmm. world you can connect to whatever you want to call it i jokingly call it gus which is you know god universe or spirit Whatever it is, I'll just remind you that, oh, yeah, I'm a part of something bigger. There's a oneness here yeah. uh, that helps you just to whew, exhale a bit and come back and ground, you know, so literally getting your feet, you know, as you talk in your forest walks, you know, to to really just immerse yourself in it, mm -hmm. um, you know, spinning and <laughs> web emptying what's going on or, you know, yeah, whatever. Oh, no. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Google and try to figure this out. Is that we need <laughs> 
We need to nurture, you know. Yeah. And I think that is nature versus nurture, nature and nurture. I mean, it's um, what it, how we inherently know. That's interesting. Plants, animals, and nature. Three of my favorite things. And food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which could but also work nature, right? Yeah. Which could. Yeah. And the more we can, we can do that. And that's what I love because even if you're, you know, stuck on the couch or in bed, you can look out your window. You can hear the birds. Mm. You, you know, open a window and feel the breeze, you know, that. So there's even ways when you are perhaps not physically able to get out. Yeah. You can put on, even if you need to, right? Put on a nature show on TV. Yeah. Planet Earth and they're just kind of. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. We do that a lot. We don't have a television, so we watch National Geographic movies and we can watch all these different other places in the world so we can go to the ocean from home. <laughs> yeah. All we have to do is imagine that we're there. So when we were talking about, because um, I was discussing about when I die, I want to be cremated and that I would even like to have my ashes put into the forest where I spend my most of my <laughs> relaxing time. And then we talked about the uh, <laughs> the epic <laughs> end of life party. And it was, it, when I heard it, when you said it, I just started laughing and immediately, like knee-jerk, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, this sounds like such a perfect way to go out. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Then again, this is a reframing, <laughs> you know, so your epic exit party, right? This is your, you know, like musicians go on their farewell tour. It's, it's like, here is my blowout party and it's really funeral. This <laughs> is what it is. Really, what again, it? frame it. So, because it is, and again, I have an extensive background in event planning. So that's where I'm looking to marry all of this now and helping people plan their end of life celebrations. Mm. Which even when you look statistically, way more people are doing that now than the traditional funeral. Yeah. Because it's more authentic, it's personalized, yeah. you know, because there's nothing worse. And that's actually what piqued my interest years ago was I went to a funeral for a friend's father who was a Harley riding, you know, rock and roll. And we were in, the, you know, the hushed tones and the wood handles of this funeral home. Everybody's wearing suits. Yeah, I don't get. I never saw that guy in a suit in my whole yeah. life. You know? Yeah, and I'm like, you need leather chaps, you know, and a Harvey yeah. shirt. Like, yeah, a party. So, um, disingenuous, and I'm like, I don't even know if we're are we grieving the right person? Are we in the right room? Like, yeah. wait, am I in the wrong place? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, how can we again just reframe this? And it's starting to take off, which is wonderful. That I love it. People are, and they can happen later too, right? So you can get through, it's obviously a tumultuous, you know, time. There's lots of paperwork. There's, you know, all that that funerals can keep doing. But your end of life, your epic exit party, what do you want that to look like? What is kind of like a wedding planning, right? So the food, you know, the the wine, the the music, the decor, the colors, you know, what is it that can really just make people feel connected to you and incorporating things you know from swedish death cleaning for example yeah. so there's grandma's tea set no one wants the whole tea set but you can lay out a table of all of you know for example for me it'd be you know all my my music things it'd be you know that everyone could take a little piece of you with that's or great people that are avid readers creating you know these these custom bookmarks or so that way you have a connection to that person beyond that event. But you're going to leave, and I've gone to these celebrations where you leave feeling so connected. It's like, 
man, that felt like I was hanging out with her again. Like, yeah. my playlist then. I'm a huge Prince fan. Everyone knows. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's so crazy. Is the kickoff to the dance floor. Like, it's... <laughs> and you're gonna feel... The hope is that you're going to feel really connected. And again, not disconnected like I have been at many of those funerals, you know, that are just, yeah, kind of just cookie cutter. You get the crust of sandwiches. Yeah. And yeah, like I, I was reading about one um, where the dad just breakfast was his big thing. Like, so even though the celebration was in the afternoon, everyone had breakfast. Together. That sounds See, now that's, I love breakfast too. I just love yeah. that. I, I love reframing, looking at something from a different perspective, because if it doesn't feel good, maybe it doesn't have to be that way for you. And if it doesn't feel right, I mean, there was, like, I talked to my mom about this after I had that conversation with you. I'm like, mom, what do you think about this? And I told her about them, the people that were like, who are going to be getting their, their shots or whatever on Friday. And on Thursday, there was a party and they had invited people to come in and say their goodbyes. And, and she's like, oh no, 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 that would never work. I'm like, mom, it's already happening. It's already happening in the world. And she's like, but I don't want that. And I was like, oh, really? So what do you want? We started a conversation. We finally, I got a little bit out of her what she wanted, just a little bit by her saying, no, 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 that's not what I want. Oh, so tell me what you would like. <laughs> tell me something that you would, which is, this is it. This is having the conversation. And that's why these, these, you said all the paperwork, like to get everything in order, to have all your plans in place. I mean, having the conversation with the people that you love the most, this is, to me, the most beautiful conversation you'll ever have in the highest of respect for self and for others. And then also to be able to have everything so clearly stated and to have your epic end of life party thrown in there and the people know exactly what you want to have at this party with the food and the drinks and the dance and the music and the entertainment and earth wind and fire and you want the prince and you want (laughs) i just it it sounds that sounds nice that sounds like that sounds like a beautiful continuation of the circle the the life death circle and that is why the work that you are doing in the world, and it's, it is so beautifully marrying all of your experiences to be able to offer this gift, the potential of even the idea to the world. And I had, that's why I had to get my girl back on here to talk about doing death differently, looking at it from a different perspective, changing the way we look at things changes the way things are for us, for the world. You know, this is how things, big things start to shift. Um, what a great conversation. I'm sure we're going to have to have you back again. Now, I, I told Jeff or who I had on now this week that uh, I said, oh my gosh, I got to have you back. Maybe you, me and Tammy can have yeah. a conversation one day. So then we can have even more discussion around organization and the party and, and grief and talking about it and cleaning and like the, the documentation. I just, I just love it. I love this. Well, and to our earlier point, right? This is something, as I joke, but I'm like, spoiler alert, we're all going to die one day. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can prepare, and and again, for me, it starts with some of us, some of us need that reframing, right? Because it is very scary. And mm-hmm. to your mom's point, it's like, nope, that's not for me. Nope. But that can also be the, you know, the catalyst to be like, okay, well, what exactly is it? You know, what do you want instead? So if we can 
start the conversation, be open, curious, right? There's no yep. judgment like, well, I'm going to do this. And if you don't do it, then that's the wrong way. Not at all. We yeah. just want to have some really authentic. Some may just want a private little garden party or yeah. a cup of tea. It doesn't even really matter. It's just that you're having these wishes, you know, express and Don't your own me. wishes. Exactly. And the clearer that is, and that's even the role of the death doula a lot is ensuring that the the wishes of the dying person are upheld because it's again such an emotional time that you can't be, you know, your greatest advocate, you know, when when all this is happening because you are just tied into so many other logistics and all the emotions. So the clearer we can be helps everyone so that whenever the time comes you just have to love them through that process mm -hmm. because everything's taken care of yeah. you know you understand what's what's happening and what their wishes are doesn't mean it's exactly going to go to plan but yeah you'll know that if prince is not at my you know <laughs> my celebration i'm coming back to haunt <laughs> you know but um but it's just a really beautiful thing and it's something again it's such a connection piece for people that if we can get through the fears and we want to be really compassionate and empathetic because those are a lot, you know, really real feel fears for a lot of people. Um, there's just so much benefit and uh, love there. You know, again, if you think about the two tracks of life, generally it's fear and love. So if we can kind of move it over to the more, and um, I would say like love liberates, you know, so we can lean more into that. And again, these and like I talk about the end of life story, like it's it's all it's all stories. So why not tell yourself a loving, compassionate, warm and fuzzy one? That's right. That's the choice. Love leads. Love yes. leads. That's it. Yeah. That is right, my friend. All right. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank, Thank you. you hard for your expertise, your knowledge. And we'll put all your contact information. And please send anything that you would like to me, and I'll put it in the show notes as resources, anything that you have that you want to share or and references to anything. I would I would be honored to share whatever you have to give. And uh, I know that my listeners would also love it. Yes. Well, thank you again for the opportunity. And I cannot wait to see you what happens with Swedish death cleaning for my favorite <laughs> Swede. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it feels really good. This feels this, this this whole conversation to me feels so it pulls me forward, and I just keep meeting and being introduced to nice people. And this is it when we're leading from our hearts and we're leading with love. Um, this is what happens. The 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 universe just yeah. unfolds for us. And just a little, I'm just getting this hit, but also if hearing this conversation piss you off or trigger something or whatever again that's just something to get curious about yeah just as you so lovingly did with your mom you know she's like no okay well let's talk you know because again if there's something that's coming up for you hearing about this get curious yeah right compassionately curious and mm. just understand yeah, yeah. and you know i think it's just super fat that i think that people think they have to talk about everything to somebody else and sometimes this is like a super personal thing that they just want to maybe just consider doing it with yourself, just having a conversation yeah. with yourself and then sitting and just writing your thoughts, almost like just journaling because it, it's safe. It's a safe place to start. And uh, just to, well, you know, they keep talking about being, you know, having ashes or being in a put into um, a casket or whatever. I'm like, even if you start there, 
right? I mean, when my best friend died and I had no idea what he wanted, I had no idea because he'd never talked about it. I mean, he was young. We had never discussed it. Well, it's time. It's time. And if we could just maybe start just writing it down and then maybe getting one person that you really feel safe with to have that discussion, just so somebody knows, you know, just little bit by little bit by little bit. And I think it's an excellent point that if, if you got angry or if you got triggered or if there's something that happened inside of you because it's brought up a bad memory or what have you, that's that's good. That's a good thing because emotions need to keep moving. We need to keep moving through that and looking at them. And um, that's why we're here to help. <laughs> yeah. And with that too, I do, and I'll put that in the show notes for you, but I have a free email series called Your Epic Exit Party that are kind of just those info questions. Yes. Oh my God. I might have to put that into my most beautiful love letter you've ever written if I can use a part of yours and then give you credit for it. In, oh my gosh. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yay. So fun. I know. We could talk for days. Thank you so much. You take good care of yourself. You have a beautiful day there in Canada, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of More Moths to the People. I am Asa Nilsson. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, share it with a friend. I want to say thank you to Kamel Asli for his help with the production of this podcast. Without him, this would not even be in your ears today. I can assure you of that. And let me let me say a little something about my friend, Gregory Paul Donaldson. May he rest in peace who would always leave me with this quote. He would say, in the meantime and between time, whatever you do, do it well, and then pass it on. Peace and most importantly, joy. I want to leave you with that as well. I'll see you on the flip side, my friend. Take care.